Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. Hey guys, welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Very happy to have my good friend Agustin Rexach on the show today. Uh, Agustin is an editor and assistant editor here in Hollywood. And he most recently co-edited an episode of Showtime's The Good Lord Bird and USA's The Purge. And before that, he was an assistant editor on Genius for Nat Geo and several other hit shows. But before working in scripted TV, he spent 17 years editing commercials and music videos, first starting out in his home country of Puerto Rico, then in Miami and San Antonio, Texas, and then eventually moving to LA to pursue his dream of working in Hollywood. And, you know, Agustin reached out to me a couple weeks ago. He had heard about the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, and as someone who is devoted to mentoring and helping people, he asked if he could write an article for the website. And I said, of course, and he wrote an amazing article titled The Service-Centric Mindset, where he talks about how us as editors or assistant editors, we need to put our ego aside and not forget that we are servicing someone else's vision. And so we are going to definitely hear more about that today. If you want to check out the article, head over to hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash advice. You'll find a lot of other articles and videos that'll hopefully be of help to you. All right, guys. So here's my conversation with editor and assistant editor, Agustin Rexach. Agustin, great to have you here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. I'm so excited, man. It's like I know. It's like it's like being on Joe Rogan for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the goal. We're trying to get to that level, but uh, doing the best we can right now. You will, man. You will. Yeah. How how's our uh, this uh, lockdown been treating you? You know, I I can't complain. I was able to keep working remotely all the way up till the end of May. Um, so. You know, that's that's what uh, a, f- a full two and a half months after Governor Newsom um, shut everything down. Mm-hmm. I was um, assisting and actually ended up co-editing one of the episodes awesome. for Showtime's uh, The Good Lord Bird. It's wow. the uh, miniseries about uh, John Brown, the abolitionist, played by Ethan Hawke, um, based on the uh, novel by James McBride. I mean, now talking with you, I mean, and it's funny because like we, we met uh, a while back, but we didn't have like a proper conversation until recently, right. and, and then which led to this. And throughout that conversation, we learned that we kind of had similar paths and backgrounds and, <laughs> and both Latinos. And I mean, there's a lot of similarities here. So I want to, yeah, definitely get people to know you a bit more and kind of uh, your background and just simply uh, tell us where you're from, how, uh, you know, how you got into editing. Uh, where okay. you grew up and just kind of tell us uh, your story. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> I was born in Puerto Rico uh, and I, you know, was born and raised in the island. Um, had a, a pretty, you know, regular childhood. You know, uh, my mom loved movies, man. And, and she was like the, the main engine of me <clears throat> falling in love with cinema, you know. Um, 
I remember the first movie she ever took me to see, and and I don't know how this happened. I, I guess in Puerto Rico they would actually have revivals or play older films. <clears throat> but she took me to, to see a, a movie called El Cid with Charlton Heston. And that movie blew my mind, man. I, I was just like, from then on, we were we were at the movie theater every Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even though I, I love cinema, I never thought that that could be a career, you know. Um, especially growing up in the island, I'm, I'm like, I'm not, you know, this doesn't happen. You know, the, the most that was being done there were commercials, you know. But after finishing high school, I, I got a chance to um, to go to film school at, at Boston University. At first, I went in through communications because, like I said, I the thought of me saying, yeah, I'm going to go into the motion picture industry and, and make movies like, you know, like Star Wars or stuff like that, that, no. So I thought I'd be a journalist or I'd go into radio or maybe even, you know, news or television, you know. But, you know, when, when I got there um, and it came time to pick our major, all of a sudden I had that in front of me, you know, film production. And I'm like, man, you know, this sounds like something that I, I need to try. And um, and I did and, and went for it and, you know, did my four years, you know, making short films and learning all facets of, of the industry. Um, and oddly enough, though, when I was in film school, I, I never thought of editing as a career either, you know, like, you know, you get sort of caught up in, in what everybody wants to do, which is to direct or maybe write or produce, but nobody's really looking at, at editing. And it was um, my teaching assistant, his name is Oliver Krimpas, big shout out to him because it's one of those uh, examples where a single sentence can change your life, okay? Um, <clears throat> I was about to graduate, you know, go back to Puerto Rico and blah, blah, blah and see what what I was gonna do next. Um, and I remember I just in a casual conversation with Oliver, he said, you know, when you get out there, you should consider editing uh, because the, the trade that all of your short films had that, that I really reacted to was the editing. You're, you have an innate talent for editing. I was surprised, and I, I, I have to confess, at the time, I didn't give it that much thought. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm going to be a director, and I'm going to, you know, pursue that, and da-da-da. So I go back to the island and walked into this uh, production company that did commercials, and I showed them a reel of my short films, and, you know, the next day, the, the big boss calls me and, and says, you know, come on in, you know, I like what I see, uh, wonderful man by the name of Hochi Melero, who's an amazing still photographer and commercials director. And Hochi gave me a chance and, and he gave me my first chance. And the thing he said to me was like, um, listen, we, we just got this thing called an Avid. <laughs> and we only have one guy who can run it and we're killing him, you know, <laughs> yeah. killing him. Yeah. He was like, so if you learn this thing, you can have the night shift. And I'm like, all right, cool. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's when all of a sudden I heard Oliver's voice in my head again, be like, go for editing, don't, you know, 
And I'm like, okay, great. I, I didn't get hired and nobody was paying me. But <clears throat> they were like, if you, if you learn the Avid, we can talk about giving you a job. Right away, that's when my mindset kicked in. I was like, okay, you know what? I already got a job. My job now is to learn this thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> I started going in every day, 8.30, you know, in the morning, boom, I was there outside the, the cutting room. And sometimes I would just sit there the entire day because I had to wait until the, um, the regular editor uh, was not busy, which was a rarity, you know, because he, he was always getting pounded, you know. Um, but, you know, that guy, again, that instrumental in my career, uh, my best friend, David Cochran, who was the original Avid editor, little by little started showing me. And at night when he would wrap up, he would stay with me for a little bit and, and then he would go home and I would stay later. Um, and it took me about four or five months of teaching myself till I was confident enough and I got hired. Awesome. After two years, I, I got contacted by a company in, in Miami, a post house in Miami, um, and they offered me a job and I didn't think twice. I just, I packed up my, my things and I left. Spent eight years in Miami doing a lot of stuff, you know, like mostly commercials, but a lot of music videos. And I myself would seek out independent filmmakers. So any short film that was out there, any documentary that was out there, uh, anything narrative, you know, because my day job was not heavy on narrative stuff. It was just advertising. Then after the eight years, you know, I again, I got a, a call from a post house in San Antonio, Texas. And I, I said, I, I think I've done everything that I'm going to do in Miami. So why not, you know, mm-hmm. left there and not knowing and, and pretty unconsciously knowing that little by little I was moving further and further west. You know, and then, you know, finally in, in 2010, my wife sat me down and said, this is the time, dude. Like, you know, this is what you want to do. We got to go to L.A. Right. And so we packed our stuff and moved out here in, in 2010. From the get go, you knew you wanted to, to tell stories, right? You you did want you, you knew you wanted to say edit films or scripted TV shows at that time, like say being in, 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 in Puerto Rico and, and Miami, were you just like, I just don't know how to do this or if it's even possible um, to, to, to have a career in say in, 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 in films? What stopped me or what would give me such moments of pause was that I didn't even know how to even begin to, to pursue that, you know? Like, I, I didn't even know where things were cut, you know, how the system worked. I knew that you had to be in the union. How do I join the union? I, I, I don't even know that. And there's so much misinformation out there, which is one of the, the things that you've done that's fantastic. One of your posts is like you actually walk people through how to join the union, you know, <laughs> from somebody who's a union member who knows what's up. Yeah, I got into editing because I wanted to work in films. Like I wanted to tell right. stories. Right. That is the reason I went to school and, and, and majored in, in film. Um, initially, you know, I started working in news and I did promos, commercials, 
talk shows, everything else. Um, but I, I knew that uh, after a while, after being at these jobs, I was I realized this is not what I want to do. Like, you know, right. and it just brought me down. And so I always um, I was just never happy. Right. Completely. Never creatively mm-hmm. satisfied. But I will say, though, that uh, later in my career, I realized that all my experience did serve a purpose. I picked up so many skills that I now apply to my editing career in scripted television. And I really like what you said in a previous conversation uh, about this idea that there's no wasted work. Shout out to my friend, Charlie Montoya. He told me that phrase. Whenever I get down on me, like you're saying, like you get down on yourself and you're like, oh my God. Oh my. He would tell me, man, there's no such thing as wasted work. Yeah, well, I brought that up because I heard it from you and I thought it was great because it, that's true. I mean, it's like, you know, I went through, you know, for many years worked in, 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 in news, you know, live news. I uh, worked in just in live TV in, in general. So, I mean, what does that mean? What I learned about, I, I learned to keep cool under pressure. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, we had a, a, a you know, I had to l- deliver my news package to the, for the newscast at six o'clock. I mean, you're, you know, I was racing down the hall with a, a tape, a DVC pro tape yeah. at, you know, f- you know, five fifty nine, And I mean, talk about pressure and, you know, having a, a producer next to you. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah. just in general. So, so to me, like, that's when I got chances to say, you know, work with, in scripted TV with producers and, 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 you know, being under pressure, it wasn't necessarily new to me. You know, I had these experiences yeah. from before, even though they were something completely different, but that was, a, I learned something very valuable that yeah. I now, you know, apply it to, to my current job. So right. these are all experiences that we pick up throughout our yeah. process. Bro, sure. I, I could not even imagine my, my <laughs> longtime editor that I worked for for close to six, six years, James Wilcox, ACE. Um, <laughs> he, he also came from news uh-huh. and, and he had that. He, he ha- not had it, has it, has that coolness under pressure, yeah. you know, that, you know, when everybody's freaking out, he's like, you know, cool as a cucumber and, yeah. <laughs> and you know, forges ahead. But yeah, you know, like, like what you just said and and for me advertising too the other main pillar that I owe to advertising is that um you know it, it really it really humbled me um uh, to the um to the reality that you know cuz you know when when you get into scripted and features there's a lot of politics and whatever let me tell you something man there ain't nothing more political than advertising. All right? <laughs> I, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. And so <clears throat> it, it really teaches you how where you are in, in the pecking order and in the process of delivering uh, this product, because at the end of the day, it's a product. And, you know, one of the, the biggest lessons that I learned and and this again was, you know, my, my first employer, Ochimelero, told me, you know, he was like, dude, this is a service industry. You know, you are a visual waiter. <laughs> That's what he told me. I like that. <laughs> you are a visual waiter. Yeah. And you see this really nice room with the, the coffee machine outside and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. All of that, you can partake in that. But if you don't want to participate in the process, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. So this process is going to happen with or without you. It's up to you to choose if you choose to have a seat on the bus, you know. 
and he was absolutely right, you know, and, and I'm, and I made my mistakes because, you know, you, you come out of film school, you're like, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. going to change this. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm the editor. What are you talking about? I've That's the cut. There. That's my, no, absolutely. no, no. And so you learn really quick that you can take that attitude and not work or you can, you know, work and play well with others and you will work, you right. know? Yeah. And eventually, you know, the, the, the more you work, the more people start to trust you. And then your voice also gets, gets a little bit louder because kind people, of sneaks through, right? It's, it's, yeah. Uh -huh. Because people know that they can trust you, but when you're starting out and, and whatever, you have to earn that trust. You know, it's like everything else in life. Huh. And I, you know, and, and, and this is coming from somebody who's made tons of mistakes in mm -hmm. that era area you know that don't you know for all the 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 younger viewers out there newer viewers out there who, who are thinking of don't think that i you know mm -hmm. i'm 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 coming at you from you know from a bed of scars and scabs that i've you know and mistakes and and soured relationships mm -hmm. because i've let my ego get in the way exactly we all have our egos you know mm -hmm. like you know, and we all want to be taken into account and, and considered. I, I think 95% of the beefs that happen in life <laughs> originate with somebody feeling that they're not being valued, valued or considered or, or, or yeah. taken into account, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. So, you know, we have to walk that fine line between you know, checking our ego, but at the same time, not being a doormat, you know, and, and please don't, right. Mm -hmm. And and don't mistake what I'm saying. You know, it's like, yeah, you got to check your ego and, and keep it in check. But that doesn't mean that you don't advocate for yourself and that you don't, you know, um, fight for a better seat at the table, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, where I'm glad that I, that I went the assistant route, mm -hmm. you know, um, because you wouldn't believe how much grief I got from commercial editors who are like, you're doing what? You're like leaving advertising and you know, you're going to have to start from zero again. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Cause at the end of the day, um, you know, for me, it's always been about mastery of craft, you know, like that's what really turns me on. That's really what wakes me up in the morning is, is getting better every day and, and, and mastering my craft, which I know it's going to be a lifelong process. I'll never get there, you know, um, right. at least I hope I never get there because if you get there, then I don't know, I'll, I'll take up cabinet making or something else, but <laughs> you know, mastery of craft is, is what I'm after. And, and that's what I felt or wanted and got through my relationship with James. Um, was that was was a, a place to learn why is scripted and dramatic editing different from commercial editing or from a music video or from you know um and and just learn it by watching learn it by seeing what he mm -hmm. does and how he does it you know i knew that it was pretty much for me the only way to break in mm -hmm. i was right. never go i was never going to get hired as an editor without any credits, with anybody knowing who I was or, 
And I'm like, I need to get inside somehow. What was really surprising to me was how much of it was not a step back because assisting is its own world and it's its own set of responsibilities and skills and all that stuff. And and for somebody like you and me, who we thrive on learning new stuff and on Mm -hmm. growing, I was like, okay, I might not be editing, but this is awesome. This is like, great. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, you know, things like learning, you know, sharpening up sound design skills, you know, like, like even turnovers. I love turnovers. Like a lot of people are like, ah, oh, I got to turn I, over. I've, I've never, <laughs> I've never, I've never heard that. From <laughs> you know why I like turnovers? Here we go, man. We're going to get really specific and really embarrassing here. Because for me, I find it that it's very meditative work. You know, it's almost like a break. It's, it's the kind of work where nobody's like, you know, over me asking me for stuff. I get it. You're having to, you know, what it is about turnovers. Turnovers don't lie. <laughs> you know? um, when, write that down. <laughs> right when you're when you're doing sound design, when you're doing temp effects, all that stuff. All of that is subject to somebody's taste or subjective point of view. But a turnover doesn't lie, man. A split track is a split track, you know. <laughs> a a you know a clean dialogue stem is a clean dialogue stem. Yeah. You, there's no like, well, I think you know you shouldn't have split that here. No, dude. That's what it is. Effect <laughs> their own stem. Dialogue goes on its own stem. Music yeah. goes in its own. Um, and so it's it's kind of meditative work. It's. It's highly technical, but it's very mechanical. And so mm-hmm. usually at, at the end of a day of, of doing a lot of more creative work or more work that you do like under pressure, um, I enjoy kind of a lot of times those late nights where I'm just, you know, yeah. cleaning up my tracks. Absolutely. And, you know. How did you then find a way to break into to scripted television in Hollywood? What, what was the strategies you took or just kind of your approach to it? Okay, well, like always, again, it's it's it seems like moments of crisis sort of are what are catalysts for change in in my life. Um, mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I after working for about two years at that ad agency in downtown LA, I was actually approached by a very high-profile commercial editorial house in Santa Monica. And they hired me and, you know, but the way those editing houses work is most of them are by contract. You have a one-year contract. And after the year, they, it's it's very cut and dry. They, they review the numbers. And if you hit their projections, they'll renew your contract. And if you don't, then your contract is pretty much canceled. And you're basically fired. Uh, and that's what happened to me. Like, um, like one of the things that I, I did not anticipate was that, yeah, going to work for this boutique, it's really cool and all that stuff. But in reality, I didn't have any relationships in L.A., agency relationships in L.A. So I, w- I really was not able to work a lot during that year. And obviously I didn't meet the company's projections and I was let go. So all of a sudden I'm unemployed, 
you know, which is, you know, like I said, for somebody who prides themselves on being a provider and all that stuff, this is like horrific for me. I'm like freaking out. So I'm like, but again, it's, it's those moments of crisis that sort of shake you awake and you're like, okay, you probably have about maybe two months. You, be, you better need to, um, <laughs> you better make something happen here. And so again, um, getting back to that idea of, of no wasted work, I called the one person that I felt that I knew that could probably put me in touch with scripted because that, that was the thing. It's like, what am I going to do now? I don't have any commercial work and I don't even know how to break into scripted. So anyway, when this happened, I'm back to square one. I'm like, I'm, I don't have commercials work and I don't even know how to break in. So I called this one person, but, um, he's a, a wonderful, wonderful human being and director. His name is Alfonso Gomez Rejon. He directed the wonderful movie, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And he did a lot of work at that time. He was doing a, a lot of work for Ryan Murphy. He was directing a lot of Glee and he was, I think for a couple of seasons, he was the directing producer on American Horror Story. And I met Alfonso in Texas, of all places, because um, four or five years prior, he had done his first commercial. It was a Western Union commercial, and I edited it for him. And it was one of those things where he was supposed to come in for a day, and he ended up staying for a whole week with me, and we had a great time together, and, you know, and, and we became friendly, you know. And when he left after that week, he left me his contact info and he said, you know, I really enjoy the way you work. Uh, you definitely have what it takes. If you ever move to L.A., give me a call. I know a lot of people. So because I, I don't like to bother people and I don't like to be presumptuous or anything like that. But I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm up against the wall. So I took him up on it and I called him up mm -hmm. and I said, Alfonso, listen, man, I'm, I'm I don't want you to get me a job. I don't really want anything from you. Well, sort of like the only thing that I, I need, the only thing that I need is, is I just, I just need a name, you know, I just need yeah. like who I want to break into scripted television. I don't care what I have to do. How do I start? Like, who do I call? And he goes, oh man, Took you this long to call me? Sit tight. <laughs> you know, I'll call you in 10 minutes. Yeah. So lo and behold, 10 minutes later, he calls me back and he says, hey, man, um, you got a meeting. Um, are you free Wednesday? Yes. Okay. So you're going to call this guy. He is the post producer on uh, From Dust Till Dawn, the, the TV series that Robert Rodriguez had just started uh, on season one. And he's like... Um, go see him. He, uh, he says he'll see you. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. So that's how it started. I went, took this meeting with, with this guy and it, it, it's funny because I walked in and, and right away you can tell that, I don't know, I, I felt the guy had been pressured into taking the meeting with me or whatever, cause he really was not that into it, you know, and right away he's like, well, I, I don't have anything and I, I don't know what 
what I can do. Uh, we're all staffed up and all that stuff. And, and you know how you have those moments of clarity. I saw that door closing, like for a second it yeah. had opened and I, yeah. and I was swinging back, swinging back, swinging back. And I don't know what came over me. I just blurted this out. I said, well, don't worry, because uh, uh, what I'm here for is I just want to be an unpaid intern. And I work for free and I, you know, will come in and help out. And if something shakes out, then then maybe we can talk about it, you know. And I'm going like, what are you doing, dude? Like you're unemployed. And, and yeah. you have a family and you're committing to work for working for free. But, you know, whatever. So, I mean, the, and then his eyes just sort of kind of like popped out of his head because you could tell he just wanted me out of his office. But then he's like, well, what do you say to that? You know, like, yeah. like, you know, what do you say to that? Like, yeah. like I just played this hand of cards that it's impossible for you to say no to unless you're really an asshole, you know? Yeah. He looked at me and he goes like, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, it's yeah, right now. <laughs> you can come in. But then he goes like with the caveats, like it's going to be up to you to develop a relationship with the editors, develop a relationship with the assistants. Mm -hmm. And if they let you in, they let you in. But if they reject you, they'll reject you and there's nothing I can do. Yeah. I said, no problem. No problem. I'll, I'm, I, you know. Yeah. And that's what I did. I I um I started coming in, and then this was my the the move that I did, which I I recommend to wholeheartedly to everybody who's starting out. Uh, the first assistant came in, and this is um, my scripted editing godmother Felicia Livingstone Mignon. It was Felicia who first led me into her room, and this is what I told her. I said, "Hey, you know, I'm here to help." Uh, and I said, I, I only have one question for you. What is the thing every day when you walk in here, what is the thing you have to do that you absolutely hate to do? And she's like, I hate making binders. And I'm like, <laughs> I will make all of your binders. From now on, you won't oh, have to man, make you, another binder. You, ooh, you know, well, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, if you show me how. You will never have to, you know, like like that phrase, you'll never be hungry again. Yeah. You'll never have to make another binder in your life. And so she did. She showed me how to make an assistant editor's binder and an editor's binder. And I went nuts, man. I was like, you know, bedazzling this. these binders. I was putting glitter, <laughs> you know. But, you know, she never had to make another binder. She saw that. She saw that, oh, man, this guy is like legit, you know, like he comes in with a smile. He does the binders. The binders are correct because here's one of the, the big things that actually James actually gave it a label. But I had already had experience with this, which is what we call transfer of responsibility. Like for all the young people out there, the, the ones starting out, you will probably start either as, as a, a post PA, right? will probably be the, the your first entry into a post-production crew. So I'm here to say, man, get those lunches right. Because if you get those lunches <laughs> right, yes, that means you are detail-oriented yep. and it means you care and you will get noticed. And the, the transference of responsibility happens there. At least for me, I'd be like, like if, if that were me, I'd be like, yo, you know, Maria is like, super on top of it, man. She gets the, the orders right. She never messes up. If she messes up, she corrects it. Do you want to learn how to bring in dailies? 
Yeah. Okay. I'll teach you because I know you will know what to do with it. And and that's what Felicia did for me. She was like, oh, this guy's like on point. He's like, do you want to learn how to bring in dailies? Yeah. You know? And so she showed me that. And little by little, she showed me more stuff to the point where what happened was that um, two weeks later, there was some personnel change. And one of the... You know, there was a, a, a drastic reduction on staff. And all of a sudden, the post producer comes to me and he says, like, listen, man, are you squared away with the union? And I'm like, yep, I got all my paperwork in order, which is another big thing. Like, I, even though I didn't have a union job, I had done all my homework and I had gotten all my ducks in a row, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed, so that when I got the opportunity, I could go. You know, and he even told me that he said, don't lie to me because I can have 10 other guys here right now. Um, but the guys want you here, like the, the crew mm-hmm. wants you to stay. So if you got all your union paperwork ready to go, you can start on Monday. You'll be like the third floater assistant. And I did. And I started and I ended up staying um, the rest of the season, which was like an, about another four months. And they were like, man, the happiest months of my life, bro. I was like so, so happy to be with that bunch. I was so happy to come in every morning. And based on my work on, on Dust Till Dawn, um, another person that was integral to my development, uh, Peter Tassler, who was a post producer on Hawaii Five O, who I knew from my Miami days, he, he had worked at the, we had worked at the same post house, <clears throat> but he was always hesitant to hire me in, in Hollywood because I had no scripted experience. Mm-hmm. So once the, the From Dust Till Dawn thing happened, my phone rings and lo and behold, it's Peter Tassler. And he's like, I hear good things. Yeah. He's like, uh, and he goes like, listen, now you got your first scripted credit. Now I feel more comfortable calling you. Um, he goes, like, I have this editor. His name is James Wilcox, and he's going to be looking for an assistant uh, come next season. Do you want to interview? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, so I met with James, and among the many things that, that James is to my career, you know, the, like, the biggest thing that I can say is that he gave me that first chance. Like he saw that I was quote-unquote, green on the scripted side. I only had that one credit. But when we sat and talked, the, the initial meeting was supposed to be 15 minutes. We ended up talking for like three hours. You know, We vibed off of each other right away. And, and after 15 minutes, he's like, hey, listen, if you got to go, it's okay if you got to go. I said, but I'm enjoying talking to you. So, oh, by the way, you got the job if you want it. <laughs> you know, I would just love to keep talking to you. And I'm like, yeah, you know. Of course. So we talked for like three hours and and the thing that he he recognized was like he's like listen you cook you know you might not know this specific kitchen but you will learn where all the knives are and where the pots are and 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 where the you know where the farmer's market is you know but you can cook and that's all i need you know so yeah let's let's go but the reality of it is this it's like it's Every relationship is is chemistry. It's a chemical reaction. And we've been so conditioned to ignore our gut feelings, 
you know, everything now has to be quantified. Everything now has to be vetted and has to be, you know, but the reality of it is, is that we can tell, we can tell if we're going to get along with somebody. We can tell if the core values that that person has are match our own. And I think that what James saw when he interviewed me was like, this is somebody who's hungry and this is somebody who's enthusiastic about the work and he wants to come to work and he wants to make a difference and he, you know, wants to work, you know, and, and for me, that's, that's key. I will take now that I'm starting to move into a position of editing and hopefully soon I will be in a position to be looking for an assistant or hiring somebody. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I will take hunger and commitment any day over somebody who has a wealth of experience, but this is eh, just another job. You might have a lot of experience, but that's not what I'm looking for. And I think James saw that. He, he saw that I had the hunger and, and I also, you know, which gets back to like what, what has become my personal creed of how I conduct myself. Um, and I said this to James and James told me, the minute you said that sentence, I knew you were the guy. And it's true. It's something that I, I believe wholeheartedly. It's like I, I'm not interested in being the most important or the smartest person in the room, but I am interested in being the most helpful one. You know, if you need my help, I'm your guy. I might have to look something up. I might not have the latest facts available, but I will make it happen for you and I will help. Adopting that mindset has brought me nothing but good things and, and success. It's clear that you did a great job as an assistant. Uh, I mean, you've definitely put in the work and uh, you made it. I mean, like you, you, you did it. I mean, you, you're, you're here working in, in, in scripted TV in Hollywood with what you wanted to do. You found a way and you're thriving. And um, I mean, I think a lot of yeah. people, I mean, I, you and I, I think certainly had the same path and we had the same mentality. And I, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people can learn from these types of, uh, you know, this approach and, 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 and just the, 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 the mindset, the, the mentality. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, because it's all mindset because for me, the, the biggest thing is if I don't have a specific point of departure for something, if I don't have an anchor, then I feel very lost. And, and that's my mood gets altered. You know, I, uncertainty messes with me and, in, and not in a good way. That's why people who create chaos in, around my editing room are definitely not welcome. <laughs> you know, and you have to welcome them because you have to work with them. But, right. you know, if, if it were up to me, I'd be like, you're an agent of case, get out. <laughs> but I just needed an anchor for myself. And that's why I did all that soul searching and came up with that service mindset. I think that if you really adopt that, a lot of those doubts about when should I speak? Should I do this? Should I not do that? Who, that all kind of goes away because at every point you're, you're working towards the good of the project. And if you are sincerely doing that, it's kind of like there's, there's very few things that you're going to do that could be construed as bad or mistakes, you know, because at every point people are going to be like, well, this guy always helps out, mm -hmm. you know, and this person's always like ready to not add to the chaos because that's that's the other thing. If I could then extrapolate 
like another specific is like when they say read the room, what is that? I'll, I'll tell you what it means to me. What it means to me is like you take you take stock of all the voices that are sounding in the room and you sincerely ask yourself, if I add my voice to this, is it going to help any, you know? Because the more voices you add to something, usually the more confusion and chaos and animosity happens. If the mood in the room is is turning that way, conversely, if everybody's laughing and, you know, you add your voice, you know, more hilarity ensues, you know. But when it's something, when, when people are trying to figure something out or trying to get, paint themselves out of a corner, as it always happens in creative endeavors, just slow down. Don't keep adding a voice just to add the voice. Because if you really have something strong to say, when the storm passes, you can go to your editor, you know, that editor that you've established trust and equity with and be like, yo, I think this is the note. This this is what I think. If someone is is listening to this and they're like, I want to work on a scripted TV series and I want to... I want to move to Hollywood, to L.A. What would be a piece of advice that you just would uh, give them so that they are motivated and, and, and say, take that leap? The um, biggest piece of advice that I can give them would be like, be ready for the long haul, you know. And, and the wonderful thing about this business, you know, is that there's no set path. I mean, you could come here and within a week have a job. Or you could spend a good four or five years like I did trying to break in. You never know what's going to happen, okay? Um, but if, if you're ready for, you know, to commit the time to it, it will happen. Eventually it will happen, you know, because this is about, this is about the people who don't quit, you know? Like the minute you don't quit, the minute you quit, like I said, it's over, And take it from me, I tried to. I tried to start a Hollywood career from Miami, from Texas, from other places. I tried. It, it just, it doesn't work. I, you, can't, you can't have a career in Hollywood, outside of Hollywood, once you've put in the time here. You know, if you're already a sought after editor, you know, I'm sure you can move somewhere else. And especially now with remote access and work. But the initial laying of the groundwork for your career has to happen here. The other thing, as far as um, practical advice that I can give you, um, you know, like, like you did, you know, like save as much money as you can, you know, so you have a cushion. And then be very selective about what jobs you have. And, and by that, I mean, when you get to Hollywood, There's a lot of jobs that can sound very interesting and promising, but they, they will actually trap you into not having time or energy to pursue what you really want. A lot of those are like those personal assistant jobs. I feel that those can be real traps because those jobs demand a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, you know, and you might be assisting you know, a uh, uh, big time director or producer or whatever. Um, but you could very 
well kind of get trapped in there. You know, like I, I what I tell people is I, I would rather have like a retail job where I have my schedule. I know what I'm doing each day and then I can allocate the rest of my time to pursue leads or, you know, if, if you don't know Avid, then to learn Avid, you know, um, that's it. And that leads me to the kind of more cliche technical thing is like, find out what the tools are. And still in, in the studio system, Avid is still king, you know, um, most of the jobs out there are being done on Avid. If you don't even know how to use Avid, rectify that, rectify that as quickly as you can. So that's awesome. that. Awesome, man. All great information, great advice. I mean, yeah, people, uh, I know will, this will be very helpful for people out there uh, who are trying to break in or even move up in the post-production uh, uh, world and in their careers. So I want to thank you again, awesome, for, for, for no, man, doing this. You. I mean, it was great. I know we could probably keep on going for hours i would um, love to. Yeah. so uh but so thank you very much man i appreciate i, pre I appreciate uh you you know writing articles for hollywood editing mentor program i appreciate i want to collaborate uh more with you for sure and, yeah. and just thank you and thank you for being also interested in just mentoring people and giving advice and congratulations on all your achievements it's awesome thank gracias you, hermano no, I mean, I, you are a great source of inspiration. Like I told you, man, I was sitting there watching Narcos, minding my own business. <laughs> and then I get to that episode where I saw your name in the editing credits. And I'm like, yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about, dog. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate you. Yeah, I got that message. I was like, man, great to hear from you. Thank you, man. Thanks again. I hope to uh, right. link up with you soon. Got it, man. Great talking with my buddy. Mi hermano, Agustin Rexach, and I'm so happy that he's thriving in Hollywood. It was also good to find out more about his life and career and the ideas that he stands by. If you want to read his article, The Service-Centric Mindset, head over to hollywoodeditingmentor.com advice. You'll find his article and many other informative posts and videos that'll hopefully help you on your journey to achieving your career goals. And also make sure to subscribe to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. I got a lot more great guests lined up. We're going to hear some great interviews coming up soon. So make sure you subscribe to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Thanks again for listening and thanks again for your support. A big thank you to Jesus the Punk, San Diego's premier house DJ and producer for providing the show's music. I got all his information in the show notes. Thank you, Jesus the Punk. If you want to know more about the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, head over to hollywoodeditingmentor.com. Sign up for the email list so you stay up to date with all the content that's coming out of Hollywood Editing Mentor. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay positive out there. <laughs>